go. What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Uncensored Critic Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Thank you for your time thus far. I really appreciate all your support. It really means so much to me. Uh, so today, I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by a teaching fellow at GSA, Miss Sabina Nethercliffe. Nether Nethercliffe, oh, almost there. You <laughs> so, so well done. The first oh. bit was perfect. At least, at least I got one bit of it right. That's the important thing. But uh, yeah, so today I'm joined by Sabina Nethercliffe, who goes by the name of Sam's because it makes her feel much more at home than yes. Sabina. It's a, it's fact she just said it's a name I don't recognise anymore. So. <laughs> Yeah, Sabina. If I get called Sabina, it's, it's I just don't I don't it's a beautiful name, but I just don't think it's my name. It's not your it's not your name. So for yeah. the rest of the episode, uh, you'll be known as Sabs, as we all know and love you by. So to introduce Sabs, um Sabs actually trained with the person we're going to be talking about today, which is Jack Lecoq, a movement director from Paris. Uh Sabs had the actual honor of being in the room and working with the man himself and since then has been a performer and movement director for over 20 years. She has performed with companies such as as diverse as the Claude Ensemble, the RSC, the Young Vic, and has also directed work for Red Cape Theatre, Opera North and the English National Opera, among many others. She is also the co-artistic director of the Filament Theatre. Filament Theatre fuses original multi-part vocal music with devised physical performance. She is a teaching fellow in contemporary theatre practice at the Guildford School of Acting, where she has been there for the last decade. Sabine, uh, sorry, Sabs has taught physical skills on undergraduate courses for Arts Educational Schools London, Mount View, Birmingham School of Acting, Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, Rose Buford College, and is currently an external examiner for East 15's BA Acting and Contemporary Theatre course. So, well, I have to update that bit because actually I've finished my little tenure of doing that. Oh, really? So, yeah, somebody else has taken that over now, the external examination. But GSA's biography is behind everything. Behind the times. <laughs> I will update it. That's amazing. So, yeah, so it's, you know, movement's been a, a big part of your life, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I, I often, um, just before we introduce the cock himself, you know, hmm. I, I get this image of yourself just at a, at a busy tube station. And you're looking, <laughs> and you're looking at all the different ways that people, the commuters, whether they're running for a train or it's just like little, little like gestures, like fiddling with the phone, and you're just thinking, that's really interesting. I don't know how how are they doing that. And I just I, is that is that an accurate description, or am I just well, you, it's truer than you know, Ollie, because <laughs> actually, uh, one of our first shows as Filament, well, well bef when we were sort of becoming Filament, was a show called Drive, Ride, Walk. And part of it was set on the Northern Line. And some of it was set riding a bicycle. And then it was just about the commuters walking through London Bridge and all the kind of movement of people when they're If you've ever been on London Bridge at like nine o'clock or even 8.30 in the morning and there's, the, well, there used to be before, obviously, this period, this kind of great river of people, yeah. some going really slowly, hardly any going slowly, but, you know, occasionally you get the one person who's going slowly and everybody else is in a kind of rush. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I, will, I will observe things um, all the time. I'm taking information about movement. Movement, I guess writers are always listening to what people say and I'm always watching what people do and how they move. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. Yeah, I think actors always do the same. We always, I think we're always always encouraged to watch other people and how they talk and how they move and everything. Yeah. 
and more the picture voice you know actually having been at gsa for a little bit before going back you're very aware yeah. of the, the pitches of the voice as well and how someone who, who more commonly is not telling the truth could be like the, suddenly their pitch just goes really high it's like like did you do your homework yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so good to know yeah it's like is that mask you're wearing one that you've made yeah now i'll know Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, then you think, yeah, uh, I know what you're up to. Okay, so Lecoq himself, uh, mm. or Jack Lecoq, you know, if anyone who doesn't know, is a movement kind of guru in, in the theatre world, in the acting world, somebody who, um, who wants his actors, who puts the script down and wants his actors to create a story through movement. Now, this is a little bio for anyone who knows about him or wants to know a bit more about him. So just so let's have a listen. Uh, so Jack Lecoq, was born in Paris on the 12th of December, 1921. Uh, he was a physiotherapist shortly after the Second World War. So he actually had firsthand experience of men actually trying to rehabilitate their bodies through movement to try from their horrific injuries in the war to try and get themselves walking again. Uh, he is regarded as the, probably the greatest and perhaps the most important mime artist and teacher of our time. He was passionately interested in Commedia dell'arte theater he spent a lot of time in Italy to research mask work from original 16th century strolling players um, from their archive, obviously not in person because they won't be here. Uh, <laughs> Take them up. Yeah, exactly. What have you done? <laughs> uh, there he met Italian director, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, so just bear with me, uh, Giorgio Strella, I've already got that wrong, uh, who was also passionate about Commedia dell'arte, but also created the Piccolo Theatre Acting mm -hmm. School. In 1956, Lecoq started his own school of mime in Paris, which became a nursery for many brilliant mime artists and creators, and is still going strong to this very day. So his main dramatic forms, in, with some of the things we're going to talk about today, are the neutral mask, tragedy, Greek chorus, uh, commedia dell'arte, melodrama, scripts, and clowning. But, and so the main foundation of his work is that he wants his actors to, to express themselves solidly through movement. So that is Lecoq, there's a bit of background for him. And of course, I, I suppose a very special bit of information to bring up today is that Sabs actually worked with the man himself. And uh, yeah, I mean, what was it What was it like working with the man, with Jack Lecoq? Well, it's interesting because I only found out about his school. Like I wasn't a kind of acolyte for years before and like had this kind of like oh my god I can't wait to get there and spent years waiting to get there mm. I basically I saw a show which uh, blew my mind in about 19, 1990 1991 and it was by the company Complicité mm -hmm. or Theatre de Complicité as they were called then yeah. and it was um, a production of, of The Visit which has just recently been done again I think at the Almeida and the show was it had hardly any sets but all the kind of atmosphere and the situations and the places the actors were were created by them and the way they reacted to things physically and it was so immediate and in the moment i just was completely like what is this who are these people how are they making this so i went to look in all their biographies and i saw that about half the company had trained with this guy called Jacques Lecoq. I'd never heard of him before. Um, and I must have been about 2021 20, at this point. Um, so I uh, I phoned up the offices 
And I spoke to somebody in the office who said, well, listen, I'll send you some information about the school and you can... Because I'm not sure that there were websites then. They certainly didn't have one, I don't think. So I, I, I read up about them and... And then it turned out the person that I had spoken to was going there that autumn was actually just an intern kind of at complicity and was going to start the school. So it actually could tell me quite a lot more. And um, and so I applied to go and and I spoke French a little bit anyway. So that's one of the things that you have to be able to do when you go to school is, is speak French. Otherwise, you're completely lost. Um, and and. Actually, it was sort of more as I was in the school and, and learning from him that I, I, I sort of realised, oh, yeah, this is this is absolutely the sort of thing that I, I should be doing, that I really enjoy doing. And he was kind of remarkable, I think, so different from any kind of teachers that I'd had before. He was very honest immediately about what you did on stage. <laughs> Um, so we used to, the, the, very much like I guess in our kind of work when we worked together early, um, the, the, the whole way that you find things out is by doing stuff. And it tends to be at the beginning of Lecoq's work that um, rather than necessarily going up all together, although there are classes in movement where you do work together with everybody else, um, it's about getting up in the space and trying things out. So very quickly you understand that you are probably not going to get very far unless you put yourself in the space and find things out and the more that you do that and the more you fail at doing that the more you'll kind of discover about yourself and the way that you um, kind of explore work um, and I probably was not at all brave to start off with but got braver through the school at getting up into the space um, but one of the reasons you probably end up not being that brave is because he would just call you out immediately oh that's so boring Oh my God, it's like my sister could do better than that. No, sit down. <laughs> so you would you would not be able to, you know, get very far um, if you weren't immediately kind of grasping the interest. Um, and we used to do these things every week. He would set a kind of theme of something. So you'd get into a group of six or seven and you'd be creating a piece of work along a theme that he set to you every week. And at the end of the week on a Friday, you'd present this to the whole school. Um, and quite often my group would get up and we'd be up for like 30 seconds and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you just would be off, you know. Yeah. Well, no, this is this is not theatre. This is not even, <laughs> this is not interesting. This is, uh, you know, so wow. it would be along those lines. Um, so he was, he sort of, in some ways that made you want to that kind of i guess added to his kind of cultish status which some people give to him because you would desperately want to try and get him to say something lovely about your work something positive <laughs> something positive about your work yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or even to just to get a yes we oui. we oui. yeah yeah that, that that would be enough you'd be like yeah i did it um but it kind of you 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 really were forced to investigate what is it that is the thing that captures what is the truth of this what is the essence of this because often when it you would be told to stop it was because you were just skating along the surface you hadn't really reached the essential of something you weren't really losing yourself in the movement whatever it was there would be some very clear reason why you were just like yeah you weren't engaging properly with the work and that would be the reason for you to be gone 
But I mean, he was still, you know, he wore a white tracksuit. He'd still come in. He'd he'd go through the kind of movements that we would do. He'd te he'd take us for improvisation classes and he'd take us for movement classes. And I guess he taught us maybe two or three times a week. And then there were about four or five other teachers who taught us as well. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he was still an extraordinary uh, figure to learn from, um, even at that stage of the game. Yeah amazing i mean it's it's so it's so fulfilling to hear from somebody who actually works with you know the person you know the one that we read about the one that everyone says okay have you done have you done lecoq training you know yeah. have, you, have you done this have you done that what was your experience of it and you now for you to have actually said you know i learned this from the man himself and you know it's just it's fascinating to hear um I did some sort of just in preparation for today, I read something, there's a fantastic article um, in The Guardian, which you can get online, which was written by the great Martin Esslin, who I don't think, oh, he's, yeah. I don't think he's with us anymore, sadly. But he, he did this brilliant piece on basically Lecoq and what, what he was all about. And he, mm. was, he described him, or somebody described him as, <laughs> he had an infinite variety of wit, humour and intelligence. So given what you've mm -hmm. just told me about that, <laughs> you said about his kind of cutthroat approach to the room. Wait, did he, I mean, did, did he have those moments where, you know, even though he was very, very strict with the work, but did he obviously have those moments where he would get everyone in the room and say, okay, look, you're on the right lines here. You know, I believe in you. Just like he did have that supportive element to mm -hmm. it as well. Or not. No, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say you'd ever hear the words, I believe in you come out of Lecoq's mouth. No, yeah. I don't think so. He, what he was really interested in is, is this truthful? Mm -hmm. um, that would be what he was interested in. Is this truthful? Does this represent um, the truth of whatever it is that you're trying to get across? Mm -hmm. And if you found that truth, yes yeah you've got his support and his kind of like or his yeah you found it but he wasn't interested in he wasn't interested in soothing us or smoothing us in any way that he he wasn't that type of teacher what he was interested in was the work and the work he did he didn't you know i guess it wasn't the kind of school that had um uh any kind of room for uh the individual uh, sensitivities of the actor. Mm -hmm. It was all about, can you do the work? And how far are you going to go to do the work? How brave are you within the work? Um, is this funny? Is this not funny? Uh, why is this not funny? How come it works one week and it doesn't work the next? Um, it, uh, the analysis of what you were doing was important, but soothing or kind of... Um, supporting the person no supporting the work yes mm. i would say that's what he was interested in okay so i sort of my my perspective on that he's, he seems to devise his 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 work in sort of three categories in a way there's oh, there, there's many categories to his work there's so many different you know different movements different ways you can go about it but he seems to be fascinated by movement masks and space in in a way yeah definitely and, and um, so in terms of his movement, exactly, you know, I suppose, you know, having been at GSA, you know, been doing Shakespeare and then, you know, you're getting something written down or when you get a play, you know, something's there ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, 
but with movement you know you are in the room you're looking at a blank canvas you're looking at as you've you've given a stimulus and the, and now you've got to set it to movement in a way so mm -hmm. so what what message or where, where exactly do you think Lecoq is coming from in terms of his movement um practice in a way well, why does he want his actors to be what, what what fascinated him about movement what, why did he want his actors to be physical and actually express the story in a completely different way as opposed to basically a play something that's already been pre-written do you think yeah i suppose where i think the work he was in what he was interested in was the firstly space mm -hmm. so one of the other great things about lecoq that he was also fascinated by was architecture mm -hmm. and the movement of bodies in space is a kind of architecture where you're making things change in the space in front of you um and i guess that the, the kind of space that you create is what helps you tell the story and for Lecoq everything moves so the reason why movement is important because nothing in life unless it is without life is still so even in stillness there's something moving there's yeah. there's sap rising up the the plant there's blood pumping around our bodies there's uh, you know, something is always moving and therefore that is life. So he, so I don't think Lecoq would ever be interested in movement that wasn't instigated for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's always about what is the justifiable movement to happen that tells the story. So that's why the neutral mask is so kind of key to Lecoq's teaching and why it comes so early on, because it shows us what movement is necessary um, when there when is there too much movement to tell the story that you want to tell um, how much movement do you need to tell a story and even if it's a really simple story so for example one of the very basic Lecoq exercises is waking up for the first time mm -hmm. and quite often uh, one of the things that I would definitely have done and students you know always do is like you wake up you yawn you stretch and that would be like that's that's not the story of waking up for the first time that's the story of watching somebody stretch but mm. that's not waking up because what's important about waking up for the first time is waking up and suddenly there you are in a completely new space so immediately the space is the thing that becomes the most important thing for the the actor to see and be aware of and open up to the audience and it's the recognition of the space and how you see it that starts telling us it's the first time mm. so it it's 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 what movement is necessary to tell us the story if it becomes necessary to tell us that the person waking up the first time is is incredibly tired then maybe there's something about the movement that it becomes interesting at that point mm. um but his i guess he's his his as you say, he was interested in phys physiotherapy. He became fascinated. He was completely fascinated by um, the movement of sports people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the movements that you undertake analysis of at the school are all movements to do with kind of throwing the discus, skating, swimming, what moves when to make that action happen. Um, and it's not that you necessarily will ever find yourself miming those things but it's an understanding of of how the articulation of that movement could perhaps um 
lend itself to some other exploration that you end up doing at some point mm. um but uh, all those kind of movements there they've all got a very definite kind of um pattern to them which makes them happen um and that is um an action that is very defined but then when you link action to emotion or to telling a story what happens to it how does the movement change how does its rhythm change mm. um it doesn't it's not structured it has this whole different rhythm going on mm. so it's i think it's space rhythm and what exactly you need movement wise to tell a story yeah. from, the, from the smallest thing to then when does it need to become big and ex expansive and all those kind of things well that's really interesting because you know somehow when when you go into the something you see that even the smallest things even in the have life in a way and would it be mm. fair to say that a lecoq exercise were was um if you're pretending to be a curtain in the corner <laughs> and and i know it's not a living thing but yeah. you've got the breeze coming through the window and however how how um soft or or as or as quickly as possible and then just that little movement of a curtain going just getting that bit of air just blown on it and stuff like that and you find yourself gently moving Mm -hmm. through the room like that was that is it would, would that be something that Lecoq would encourage just just that or is that well, the, but no the, I guess what you're you might be thinking of is so part of the training is to explore the movement of things that are in the natural world that then somehow might be related to things within our human story Mm -hmm. So, for example, you start off looking at the elements, which very clearly relate yeah. to emotional states. And then you also look at language, at paintings, at things, and then you start looking at materials. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you might look at um, a curtain hanging and if you were to open a window, how that would change the movement of the material. And I think for an audience, then, if you were to take away the idea that there, you were watching somebody being a curtain and instead they were looking at somebody who was standing if you took it down to something very minimal standing at a station waiting and you didn't know what was going on and you just saw these small little movements happening you might you might start to think somebody was in an emotional state mm. you might start to read something else into that so the the movement in itself the the exactness with which you can follow a movement might lead on to a discovery of something which is um, about a whole different kind of story. So another exercise that that um, is really interesting is that you, you, we looked at the crumpling of paper. And Lecoq liked this exercise because actually it is essentially when you crumple paper, initially it starts to, if it's newspaper and you don't do it too hard, if you do it really hard it will never move again but if you crumple it up and you don't do it too hard it starts to try and open up again yeah and he um talked about this because it, essentially that movement is in itself just so tragic because what the paper is trying to do is to to get back to its original um you know state but it can't and what's more, if the more you watch it, the more it kind of, you can start seeing the smallest of movements as as the initial rhythm runs out. It doesn't stop, There's, but you find that there's these other little bits that start to kind of carry on. Um, 
And so the story of the paper is actually a very specific and longer one than you think it might be mm. were you to just kind of like say, well, I know what happens with paper. You roll it up and it goes back and then it kind of stops after five minutes. But actually, it's more detailed than that. Mm. And often, because it's tragic, you could take that movement and you could apply it to a scene and say, now I want you to explore what would it be if you were to play this scene out but you were to play it and bring in that movement of the paper so that when the initial news takes you you get you get scrumpled up and as you're playing out the the grief of it you allow yourself to unscrumple but you have to do it at the same in the same amount of time that that paper took to unscrumple and say that was 10 minutes and actually an actor might choose to do that in two Mm. but if you do it over 10 and you're trying to find those moments when there's another bit you might discover something else about how you let something go mm. that's you know that's lovely that reminds me of um metamorphosis you know mm -hmm. and Kafka play i was lucky enough yeah. to that at uh the lyric a few years oh god we're going back to probably 2013 so nearly 10 years ago now yeah. uh, was it an icelandic it actor? was yeah it, it, was, it was at the lyric hammersmith yeah, yeah i remember yeah, that that for anyone who doesn't know that story of Kafka of Metamorphosis, it's about a man who essentially is turned into a bug and is rejected by his family. And but the the actor playing the 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 bug, or you know, you, you didn't actually dress up as it. It was just a man, but his movement. He he was creating that image of a bug mm -hmm. through movement. And the guy who did it, I can't remember his name, but he did such a great job. And yeah he didn't, he didn't say a word throughout that whole well a word or very little throughout that whole production and it was that it was that subtle movement of like a beetle like walking across the floor or them or them sort of finding a way through and stuff like that mm -hmm. and you could see because he was quite a slim guy as well you could see like the body and the muscles moving through the body and the bones yeah on, yeah yeah display and everything and i suppose if lecoq saw that he would be thinking it'd be a very rare moment in time where he'll go okay that's good <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i mean he he really loved it when he found something that tickled him yeah you know and particularly if there were clowns really naughty clowns or <laughs> you know there, there are in inevitably there are people who just have funny bones and with a clown nose on and uh you know there's just got an inner stupidity which is just delightful and when something tickled him that was just brilliant because he would really laugh and laugh um that that was delightful yeah um it, so you're absolutely right there were he he would have appreciated that absolutely but i think um yeah it's it's a kind of the the key i think the key to to lecoq's work is kind of like it's it's about i think it's a bit like the the, the links with stanislavski are not so different i think because stanislavski is all about kind of observation isn't it and replaying things out yeah. and and lecoq was also about observing things and sometimes it was trying to with the limitations that you have physically how can you recreate that within your own form and and you know and what might this show us about um what does an elastic band being stretched to the point where it breaks show us about the 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 situation of a of somebody who's leaving a family for the first time and can't quite say goodbye and then eventually does mm. um how can we find things in the movement of things that have nothing to do with them which might give us a different kind of way of approaching a state 
a scene that has a high emotional uh, kind of content to it and not rely on emotion mm. to play out that scene but yeah. rely on something else to help us find it yeah did you did you ever see um frankenstein at the national theater i saw it online when they put it online yeah yeah that that first 15 minutes for for benedict cumberbatch and john lee miller you know whoever was playing the creature that night that's look up defined isn't it like that it's it's a it's a really i mean it's a really incredible um movement kind of growth of something isn't it Yeah. yeah i think so that's a beautiful i mean i i i guess i'd hate to pigeon it as Lecoq but it's it's definitely with movement at its core yeah um, and I think he would really appreciate that yeah would he have laughed yeah. at that or would he have just gone okay <laughs> I think he would have been I think he would have really found that production fascinating completely mm. yeah absolutely um he um you know I, I mean this, this is just my impression of him of course because I don't yeah, actually yeah. you know what's going on in his head but um room with him though yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think one thing he probably would really be interested in is that he's or or kind of i i think maybe bulk against because he used to really it, it drove him mad when he thought of himself being thought of as a mime expert mm-hmm. he we did do mine we did loads of mine but he wasn't interested in mine that was kind of solidified within a very exact form he always and i think that's why the school still continues today he always wanted his work to grow and move on that it should never stay in one box but that it should be it should always grow and theater was changing and it was always changing um and i think the thought that he might be considered as a mime a sort of pure mime person would i think not be uh, great to him, but as somebody who used a form, and then, and, and it was a for, it was something that enabled people to discover more and more and more. Yeah, that's a lovely sort of segue into. Um, he talks about. I think people. I'm not sure if this is an academic's um, telling of his work or his himself, but mm. there's a couple of phrases which sort of jump out, which is the journey and gardening. You know, it's it's, it's the journey of a performer's. You know introduction absorption um grasping and ultimately flourish flourishing in movement based mm. theater and mm. then but you've also got the gardening uh, synonym which is about you could try something but it doesn't work but the the thing is you're just planting seeds as you do in the garden you know oh, yeah 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 mm. um so i guess there is it you know I'm, I'm quite fascinated to know about his approach to um like, like to, to failure in a way you know and you know if, if we're using a phrase like gardening and also the journey as well you know mm-hmm. when you go into a theater room when you go into the rehearsal room and you're trying things obviously we're going to make mistakes we're going to mm. fall on our ass we're going to look pretty stupid at some times but that's mm-hmm. all about the growth and um you know Lecoq's approach to that you know obviously you know he, he was very about the work and stuff like that but if something didn't work if if you did fall completely on your face about this sort of thing mm. would would he be would he accept that would he be glad that you're making mistakes or would he be very oh, like yeah would he be like you made a mistake you know sit down start again you know that that sort of thing um well I think yeah if it wasn't working it wasn't working so get off the stage definitely mm. But then there's the failures which also lead to great discovery. So, and, and I think sometimes that's where 
Um, so specifically, I would say in clown, the the one of the the, the crucial periods of the school is when you start clowning, mm-hmm. and really the clown is is about failure. It's about finding that possibility because one of the first exercises is just to come in and make him laugh. I mean, Jesus, that's hard. So, um, and you can, you could, and it's awful. You can imagine a whole bank of people, all of your peers and somebody with their arms crossed in front of you and you're just trying anything to make them laugh and they're stony faced and you can't go. (laughs) So you're there and you become more and more desperate and, and then eventually your desperation might just lead to you doing uh, something or, or, or nothing, which then leads us into a completely different kind of clown, the tragic clown, yeah. who, is, who is there at their most vulnerable in front of the audience, um, hopeful and desperate. And, and there might be the start of something that is then the kind of funny it might be a completely different sort of funny um uh but it the, the kind of the flop the that we we called it the flop le trou uh the, it, it kind of is a the bead that's what he called it um it, you have to kind of make friends with failure as a clown yeah. um because it's so difficult um to find your funny and some people have it immediately mm. like they can just come in and uh, we had a, an amazing Norwegian actress who had this un this unknown streak of complete like ah so she she sort of created things that were uh, used to chop things up all around her and 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 it was just so surprising coming out of her that it was immediately always funny i don't know why and other people who um they just could react they could just react to the smallest thing um and and their relationship with the audience was so strong that the the audience would be just uh, lost mm. or they had a particular sort of charm just even just smiling at the audience and they won them round through smiling it was just remarkable to see where people found their um their ability to to overcome fear mm. and vulnerability and then connect with an audience cool so um tell me a bit more about um that mar- about mask work you know because mm. there's um there's the neutral mask and then there's and then he would wear masks i think there's a phrase being thrown around like the anti-mask or something like that or the counter mask counter mask or anti-mask i'm not sure which anti-mask is um, but anti-mask is when you actually have a physical mask on with a with a specific expression you know i can see one in the in your corner actually in your top top oh this a character mask i would call that a character mask it might be character mask yeah Yeah. because there's a difference between neutral mask and yeah definitely isn't it okay that's probably where i'm getting at. yeah 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 so, uh so what so what which one would you say was like a more well first of all there are some obvious differences between the two being a neutral mask you use your actual face you know and you use your and you use your body for well your, your physical face mm-hmm. and then the other one is you actually have a mask on you have a mask with a specific expression and then your body language just has to 
not, not, not necessarily fit, fit it to that extent, but whatever movement your body does mm. is reflective of the emotion that you have that you're wearing on your face. And then you're kind of, in a way, I, I wouldn't say trapped, but, you know, you are, your movements are kind of... Well, you become the character of that. Yeah, you, you become yeah, yeah. the character, yeah. And everything yeah. that you do is centred around what you're wearing on your face, whereas with your neutral mask, your actual face, with no covering on it whatsoever... Well, in the yeah. cock, we we have we have masks, we have neutral masks, and we have them at school as well. Oh, do we? Oh, yeah, we have neutral masks. So we have actual masks that you wear on your face. So the neutral mask. Oh. Some people might say, uh, "I want you to wear your neutral mask," as in neutralize your you know your expressions. But actually, the neutral mask at the cock is a very. Um, I don't know if you've seen pictures of it. I wonder if I've got a picture somewhere. But anyway, it's a very, it's a very kind of. I would say almost Grecian face. So it has a little mouth. They're quite beautiful. You you see a lot of eye in the neutral mask. Mm -hmm. um, but the the rest of your features, are, of course, are covered. And this what this gives is um, a complete focus on your body and mm -hmm. your look. So the 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 expression that's coming out of your eyes. Um, the neutral mask is completely about mm -hmm. uh, this idea of um, economy of movement. So you start very clearly in a neutral mask, seeing the physicality that somebody brings into the space with them. You see what kind of um, habits they have physically. You see um, whether somebody, when they're walking into a space, sort of has an unconscious habit of kind of rubbing their fingers together. Everything, because of this being on your face, starts to draw focus down to the movements that are in everywhere else in the body. Yeah. So what Lecoq um, did with a kind of, you have a three week period of focusing on this neutral mask, was about kind of finding an economy of movement, a way that the student can start to engage with space and opening space up to people and the audience and exploring space um, for themselves, exploring gesture and knowing kind of what gesture is appropriate to any given situation. Like when, when does it feel like it's too domestic? Is this uh, the right kind of gesture to signify that you're saying goodbye to somebody for the last time? Like how much movement do you need in order to get this story across? So the neutral mask, has a fixed expression but it's not a character and any anything that you're doing physically that starts to suggest character we want to try and get uh, we want to try and get that gone so in Lecoq's neutral mask it's it's about exploring how you as a kind of as a I suppose it's the most essential it's not a robot it's not a the neutral mask is one of the kind of like things when you start to teach Lecoq which uh, after a while people are going but I don't understand how can you not show emotion blah, blah 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 how can this not be a character and and actually it's just about what do you do with movement that that shows us the state of being of somebody without them emoting or trying to show an emotion but you're just doing movement and what does that sh tell the audience whereas the character mask so this one here um that is exactly as you say it might have a, an expression on it so this one is is very happy um but can look forlorn 
depending on what I do with my um, body in it. Mm -hmm. um, so the character mask is all about exploring, yeah, how you can show a character through your movements and how rhythm and how gesture can change that expression from looking like it's never going to change from being happy to being something else. Mm. And, and where you place the mask, how far down it goes, how far up it goes, whether it turns on the side, you know, what kind of rhythm you're playing those gestures in, how that changes how we view a character. Mm. So I think a good example of neutral mask would be sort of ballet dancers in, in a way, would that be a, a, a good one or is that... Or am I no, I don't think so because they're trying to express uh, changing emotions through their body, but but it's a kind of... Their, their, their head is also part of that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think neutral mask. I don't know what we can relate it to really. Um, um, it's a real simplicity. There's a real simplicity to it. Yeah. It, it, it kind of is much more simple actually than, than sometimes it, it, it appears to be. Yeah. I feel really silly now. I probably spent a lot of that time thinking the neutral mask is actually your face. No, it's actually a mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It like is a mask. Oh, and I think perhaps teachers oh. might use it in some other way, but don't know, because if you haven't come across it, and of course this year we haven't been able to use any neutral masks because people haven't been able to share them. So any work that people have done about being neutral or mm. using economy of movement, because the mask in itself is not in a state of you know, always neutrality. Um, they they wouldn't have used masks, so I can understand why. You know, you might think that they're not the thing, but yeah, Lecoq, they definitely are. They're 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 a fundamental teaching tool. Yeah, and I think in terms of the character mask, you know, I think mm. I, again, I'm throwing this out there. I'm not sure if this is going to be the right one, but on. but uh, so I think quite a famous example of something like that would be the film with, with the film The Mask with Jim Carrey. You know, would would that be kind of oh, now you see i haven't seen that so i don't know you don't know oh, really? i the only way i could do it is i don't know i can't think of any films which use them but so i have to just think about mask companies like vamos yeah um or trestle are really famous they used to do only mask work and that's changed now but yeah i mean when you see masks being used really well and you see that you can create an entire piece with no words at all and yet the story is utterly clear just through the space that is held between people the rhythm that they use to interact with each other what they're doing rather than what they're saying, then then you understand that, that, that this is a beautiful kind of way of creating theatre. Yeah, there's something quite spiritual about it as well with the, with the character mask, where you actually have a, a fixed expression on your face the whole time. You know, we play with this idea of, you know, in, in life or in sort of, particularly in the 21st century in this world of social media and stuff like mm -hmm. that, we kind of draw, people say they draw masks on their face or they draw a smile on their face when it, in fact underneath it's it's there's nothing to suggest nothing worth smiling about at all yeah, uh, yeah and there's something really quite nice about the you can put that on stage you can put that that fixed expression on stage and say look i i look happy i'm happy mm. i'm happy but your body could be not so your body could be stagnant or it could be making very minimal kind of movements and yeah. you know just as little like small steps or like small steps across the room or that very yeah. slow kind of drop of the shoulder and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. 
but yet you've got that look on your face and it's like mm. it's like i can see you you want to you want this to look like you're happy mm. your body is saying completely the wrong completely the opposite and yeah there's that contradiction that Lecoq was he fascinated by that that contradiction between how one could look a certain way and yet can sort of suggest I wouldn't say he was fascinated by the contradiction what he was fascinated by was people and life and that is people and life isn't it that we present one thing and yet we might be feeling another and mm. a way that we can explore that is through mask so I think it's less the tools but more the the essential stories that he's fascinated by and then the way of telling the stories mm. is the thing that um, starts to become really interesting what is what is the way of telling the story? What is the new way of telling the story? Can we tell this story in a, in a, in a different sort of way? Can we tell it without words? Can we tell it with masks? Can we, you know? So I think it's it's the essence of life that fascinated him, and then the way of expressing the stories that happened in life, and yeah. what might be the best form of telling that story. Yeah, it's it's a very visceral, visceral way of of putting you're putting life on stage in its most visceral. And I suppose, or most authentic way, would that be the right a right way of going or saying that? Um, yeah, yeah, because I think that's the other thing is the kind of so the truth of any situation. Comedy is funny because it's based on truth. We understand in clowning in comedy that there is a there is an essential truth that is either escaping the main protagonist or that they're so aware of it and they're trying to create all these things around it. So I think authentic is, yeah, a good word for what lies at the root of 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 his way of of, of approaching theatre. But you know, it might be in different forms. Mm. That's interesting because uh, was it was he ever um, something that I've sort of came across today for for today as well is that a couple of people have written about he didn't really have a specific method as such. Mm -hmm. He it was more of a of an instruction manual on how to, on on things on on and how to conduct yourself or how to explore movement in a way. So there's not like a a set method like a Stanislavski way of acting, like you know, you know, emotion, memory, and stuff like that. With the cock, you know, there's no like definitive way of doing it. As you said, he wants his work to move on and move on and move on and move on. So there seems to be kind of like a like a like a lineage yeah a continue continue continuation to to his work in a way is that there's always new levels that you can go to and like yeah well whilst we've done this before yet yeah, this this lead us that leads us on to x y and z you know there's always seems to be a way that's always going to keep growing there's always yeah. there's no always there's always new places you can go to so there's no never-ending answer in his work would you would you agree with that um yeah i would say on in the companies that have uh been through the school i would say that's the way that that um that, that the work has grown through yeah. them i'd say at the school that of course there is a really clear foundation of of and structure to the teaching mm -hmm. i i would say that that is I, and i don't um it's interesting because some people who've been at gsa have uh who were students of mine have now gone on to train at Lecoq and I would say that the fundamental structure of the training is pretty much the same mm -hmm. um, and it might be certain exercises have moved on but but there are core things like the neutral mask is core improvisation is core um, 
the game, le jeu is core, um, melodrama is core, um, commedia is core, you know, so all these things that I studied, students now will be studying. There might be some exercises, but so the fundamental teaching, I think, is the structure. But where he saw theatre going, I think, is limitless. And how you use what you learned in the training, um, how you take that on into your own work is limitless yeah. yeah so it isn't i guess it's not like a it's not like a play um that you're going to stanislavski yeah you know, your way through it would be a different way of approaching it definitely mm. yeah that's great i mean so thank you for correcting my thinking today you know this has been no <laughs> not at all you can tell it's not really been my my forte so i probably look a bit silly now but... no you don't at all and also i mean i don't read academic books about lecoq so i don't know anything that people have written about him i have the books that he wrote and i have my notes and my memories um so you know i i'm see i'm talking about it really from my experience mm. so that there could be academic books where people have gone and interviewed him and interviewed hundreds of people who've been through the school and might have a completely different take on it so you know I, I'm really only talking from my experience, Ollie. So don't apologise in any way. No, no, no. Okay, that's good. Good to hear. Thank you for that. But actually, let's let, let, let's sort of talk about your your experience of this. You know, when you're actually when you're training or when you're mm. watching people um, train with the Lecoq method or or the mm. just doing these exercises. Yeah. You know, um, your personal experience of being in a show or being in a rehearsal mm. room of actually being in the moment and just doing mm. the movement with with obviously with the man in the room and and everybody else watching what what goes on through your head like what like what, what actually, terror like, panic terror, panic yeah. okay. <laughs> from that, when you yeah. when you when you get past that initial barrier of okay i'm performing i don't know if this is working I'm not to... <laughs> yeah. but, but uh you know but what, when you get past that and you actually onto something and you've found a routine that's that's got this his seal of approval and then you start to go deeper with it and then you start to see the story that you're creating mm -hmm. and it's all through movement like what's what's that sensation for you like um yeah it's interesting because of course um he he does bring in words as well of course we speak in the training so it's i think movement is a is a starting point and then the words come then the words come yeah yeah exactly um so i think um you know when once you've found something that is kind of truthful um like uh, one time i can remember getting a big yes which is like oh hooray was we we'd created in our little company we created a, a kind of thing based on the elements so each of us had taken an element for a character mm -hmm. and we had to create a scenario where the elements somehow shifted um, and we chose a dentist to be this and um, I don't know we just found sort of the things that happen in a dentist waiting room and the characters were kind of uh, they were they seemed justified by the element and their changes were justified by the elements so it worked because we'd everything was truthful and justified and it was the basis of the character and the, and the scene worked and that was great because it kind of went oh, okay I understand this yeah. I see why it works um, I can see we haven't forced anything to happen but it's come intrinsically from the characters and the elements and the way that they react upon each other um, and we weren't trying to be funny Mm. It was just the truth of the the characters interacting as the elements did, 
and and I think because we weren't pushing it and we weren't trying to be funny it it all worked as as and it worked well so I think it, it's kind of it's that thing isn't it when you just are truthful with whatever mm. you're working with and you're not trying to second guess what the outcome will be um, and you're just building up the scene and you're allowing the characters to have the interaction and you're playing you're playing and the play enables you to find um, those interactions when all that happens um, then you know that that's probably the best fertile ground mm. when you don't have anybody who's telling you what to do but you're playing to find out what the next step is um i think that that probably was one of those moments where you go oh okay it's play it's playing it's allowing the truth about these elements about these characters to to happen that's what that's what's enabling this to be to get to a place where it's you know reasonable yeah and i think that's i was going to ask you today actually what what do you think that movement can do which which words can't in in a way and i think you've sort of kind of answered that already but uh well yeah interesting and also i would say to come into that question i would bring stillness in as well, stillness as well. yeah i i think often there's a real desire to do stuff and and sometimes what can be really powerful is is stillness smallness stillness simple simplicity mm. so i think what what movement can can do is enable you to so if you link into the elements or into it might be laban for other people it can be a way into um a character's sort of basic motor of of being so if I were to link a character to fire, I might understand that I have a kind of high energy that's going on all the time. And that can give me a really quick and easy way into a character and the way that they behave, their behaviour driven by this internal motor. Um, so there's so movement can be used as a kind of really quick way for an actor to access character. If you are in an emotional scene and you just cannot find tears and there's no bright lights to look into, if you were to get into that kind of moment of really high functioning fire and to have the breath of fire, that might help you find that emotional state which you cannot conjure up from anything else. So in, in finding kind of motors of movement, it can be a key or an access into a, a, a character. And then I think the other thing that movement might bring you is i mean for example it, with the clod ensemble i was part of a of a of a piece called the red ladies which was a theater piece and also a massive um kind of town exercise so i don't know there were maybe 13 to 15 of us in the company and we would um sometimes just go to a town and we'd all be dressed in red headscarves and black glasses black raincoats red suitcases black tights and red stilettos and we would have kind of movement around the town so structured kind of passageways of where we were going and so that people and passers-by and pedestrians would see these different kind of passages of a very striking kind of visual image of women just kind of moving around this space that would then perhaps coalesce to one space where we do a a bit of synchronized movement of some kind mm. um, and then you've got something kind of quite visual like um, 
like an army like uh, a female army like you, you know you can start pulling out all sorts of different images from that and then in the theatre piece we would do all sorts of different things that would be really structured movement wise or would be very simple domestic movement like at one point we all sat down and knitted then we ran furiously for a stage of it and then we had really choreographed movement where we were kind of passing each other and knew exactly what we were doing at any stage so it's like an intricate kind of pattern of something mm. so um you know it can it becomes something then that's more like ballet more like dance where you're kind of getting your your meaning from movement mm. um yeah so i i don't know i think um if you really delve into it, it becomes a really powerful tool for telling stories sometimes words don't express something that gesture can express you know when words can't come and somebody's in real pain but you move over to them and you put your hand on their shoulder and that's enough to tell us everything we need to know mm. so um yeah god that was a long answer wasn't it no, that was really good <laughs> that's fascinating no no talk talk to it's great <laughs> everything um and i think just just what just one final thing i'll, I'll just say today actually is um there's a there seems to be a common theme about the whole thing that even though there was there it is tough discovery but i think he wants did he also encourage you guys just to have fun and just just to let go of play yeah you know, just yeah. Play, you know just don't, yeah. don't worry about trying to get it right just just play and whatever happens happens if it's not good we'll just put it away and if it's good we keep it in you know and of course i think that is the principle of just you know, you're saying earlier of, of just getting up and there's this terror and there's this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it's hard finding the fun in vulnerability. It, mm. it's tricky. It, it is hard. And it's something that we're all, well, we'll probably continue to learn for a very long time. Some people just don't suffer from it at all. But, you know, I mm. think most of us find that way. I certainly do. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's something I'm definitely working on. Uh, you know, would he want, just like you and your and your peers and everyone just say look let's, let's just have fun just go in there and just play and just have fun and whatever happens to you. yeah i think i i would say possibly not have fun exactly but i think what was key to his uh you know to his teaching was the fact that there is always play mm. always play in something what is the play of this situation if you're clowning and you're playing, you're playing with somebody else, their ideas can inform your ideas. And if you're alive to that and, and receptive in the moment, if you don't say, no, no, I'm not doing that, then the play of that will lead to something. Um, and playing with ideas, playing with objects, playing with whatever you've got to kind of find something which is a satisfying image or an image you haven't seen before or oh my god that's so clever right that when that towel became a bath and then became the rain and then became the sea you know if you're so the more you play with something the more discoveries you're going to make and mm. i think that's i don't think he'd say have fun i think he'd say uh use play to discover explore find something new but find uh, find the truth of this situation and you know keep finding ways to make the story alive and fresh mm. yeah and um yeah that's that's so interesting to hear you know i i, I always wonder if there's um a way of like like a saying or like a mantra from him in a way just to think that if you 
you know, if you if you don't get it right, and of course the, you you think to yourself, oh god, you know, I just did something that I can complete ass, you know, uh, you know, well, I mean, maybe not him because he was very kind of, as you say, very abrupt and quite straight to the point, really. Mm-hmm. But you know, for, for anyone listening or watching, you know, and you know who's who's doing this, who wants to get into this, you know, if you get up there and you make a complete fool of yourself and you do something that's completely not right. You know, we often have the tendency to go away and think, oh, no, God, what am I doing? I'm on completely the wrong page here. What, what's the, how do I get this right? You know, what would you say to people? Just that, not, not that it doesn't matter, but like, you know, we all try things. We all do uh, things. Oh, things. Sorry, I don't know what that is. Something's ringing. Something's ringing. Oh, it's my son. I'll tell you why. He's, he probably wants to be picked up from his job early. Um, okay. uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll message him and, and answer him in a minute. Um, That's fine. Um, I think what he'd say is, uh, to Bouge, everything moves. So in that way that, you know, you the thing to do is not to dwell on what you've done wrong. Yeah. Um, but to, to kind of get up and work out what the story needs even if it's a kind of the scene of a story that is your own individual thing what is it you're trying to say what is it you're trying to make what is it you want the audience to know what's what can you do to try and tell that story better Mm -hmm. but in the way of two bouge like nothing stays in the same place so if you feel down now you your your wave will rise again but only if you keep playing, even if you do, only if you keep going, mm-hmm. um, because nothing can stay in the same place. Yeah. So even if even if you feel you've failed, that will move. That's gone. That's past. Mm. Yeah, that's lovely. That's, and I think that is a lovely place to to finish today. I think, yeah, that's a, that's great. Um, yeah. And of course, you've got, you've got to go pick up your son now. because probably... I have to pick up my son at three o'clock. I do. Absolutely. It's very good timing. So it's called perfect a... timing. That's fantastic. So, yeah, cool. That is a lovely place to end. So thank you, guys. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the Uncensored Critic, and uh, I'll be back soon. And Sabs, thank you so much for your time. This has been so interesting to hear. And so thank you for correcting me and, and for educating me today. Well, I mean, you know, we say correcting, but as I say, this is this is from my experience, my understanding. And, yeah. you know, there will be very erudite books which could well contradict everything I've said. Yeah. But from this is this is uh, my understanding of everything as far as I've got with it. Yeah. But it's been a pleasure. And yeah. I will see you even if I don't see you in the room. I will see you in the space of GSA in the autumn. You shall. I look forward to it. Great. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much. If you just hang on, I'll um I'll end the meeting now. Then I'll just yeah. say goodbye to one. Yeah, you. cool. But thank you, thank you guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Sabs, thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Bye.